and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hound. Well, it's been another huge week for equestrian sport, another world gold for Lottie Fry, team bronze for Britain's show jumpers and seven medals for our para dressage riders. So let's dive on into all the action. First up, we'll look back on the show jumping from the World Championships, including the British performances that clinched the bronze and individual gold for the amazing Henrik von Eckermann and King Edward. He goes out and he just sets it on fire. I yeah. mean, <laughs> and never looks like he's going to touch anything. I mean, no. it's just, oh, I think we all wish we had a horse like King Edward, don't we? Then we'll review the dressage freestyle, including Lottie Fry and Glamadel's superb performance and all the para dressage action. I've already watched Lottie's test about seven times since she did it and like I'm actually feeling quite emotional just thinking about it now. Finally we have a preview of next week's British Show Pony Society Championships including an interview with top showing producers Sarah Parrott and Craig Eleanor who look back on their BSPS memories and talk about how they're preparing for this year's championship show. We've got a complete range of real opens to one pony that's only ever been to one show before. So we've got 11 going. So yeah, win a flowery sash, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) So we have so much to get through. Smooth down that mane and let's get going. Hi, I'm Jennifer Donald, show jumping editor at Horse and Hound, and I'm here with H&H news editor Eleanor Jones, who is just emerging from the whirlwind <laughs> that was the incredible Agria FEI World Jumping Championships in Denmark last week. Hello, Eleanor. Hello. Wasn't it amazing? Oh, what a week. I mean, we've cheered the British riders to a brilliant team bronze medal, and everyone is in awe of double gold medalist Henrik von Eckermann and his super clear round machine, little King Edward. El, what was the highlight for you then for this week? Um, well, apart from everything, uh, I think it has to be Friday's team final, which I know we're going to talk about later on. But honestly, yeah. if, if if there was anyone who wasn't as keen on show jumping, if they had been there on Friday, that would have changed their minds. It was phenomenal. It was brilliant, mm. wasn't it? I mean, what a climax. But it all started on Wednesday with the opening speed leg. And uh, I mean, that's a class in itself. It's really tactical and uh, going slow and steady gets you nowhere. We saw some really speedy combinations at the top of the leaderboard early on, didn't we? Yeah, and it's as you say, it's interesting because obviously, you know, you you need to jump clear rounds, but it was interesting that you were seeing people jump clear rounds and then because they hadn't quite got the speed, they, they obviously weren't there or thereabouts at the mm. end. But then there were people, as you say, uh, then later on, there were some really speedy clears. And yeah. actually, we, we spoke to, I, I caught up with um, Henrik von Eckermann uh, after the speed class and he hadn't he he was first most of the week but he wasn't for the speed class for his team he was one of the, uh, i can't remember one of the later riders and he said you know he'd walk the course and he thought like for example for the water he was uh, going to do nine strides and then he was saying well people were starting to be quick and he w- suddenly went on eight <laughs> And oh, he said yes. if he'd gone early, he would have done nine and then he'd have been a second or so slower. And then would the result have been different? Possibly. And that's exactly. just madness. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> and I remember the British guys saying as well, the first two jumped and then, the, you know, then the final two kind of just had to go for it. It was mm. um, Scott and Ben, wasn't it? That just had to go for it because at that point you, you realise that, uh, yeah, going slow and steady isn't going to get you anywhere. You need to be at the top of the leaderboard on mm. day one otherwise it's so difficult to climb back up isn't it yeah and, and because of the the way and i don't know exactly how they do it the way they calculate the scores after round one is all based on however many penalties you're behind the leader isn't it and that yeah with they, the time and yeah yeah and so actually you could have had a very speedy four faults and possibly be above someone with a a, a slower clear so it was all a bit you know it, it's yeah. such tactical game isn't it it does it does actually work it's impossible mm. sometimes to understand what's <laughs> going on with all the coefficient scoring and stuff but it does it does work it is quite clever um and we saw a great leader at the first uh, first two days julian epeyad from france and uh with quite a sort of quirky fiery mare didn't he 
Yeah, the absolute super superstar mare who 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 looked. I mean, I'm sure you know all these top top riders, top horses are maybe not the easiest to ride, but she did look a handful, and he rode her so beautifully and had that super speedy clear on day one, and then jumped clear again, and it was just like, are these are they going to be walking away with the gold? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. What's happening? <laughs> and interestingly, because he changes his bridle around just before he goes in, he said um, having a bit on the mare actually gives him more control but she doesn't jump very well so he, he has to quickly change into a hackamore just before he goes into the ring and starts jumping uh, which is you know it's these are the things you kind of have to do and it does make all the difference it seems but she's uh yeah he's obviously found the knack to managing her and, and does a great job so yeah it worked for the first couple of days anyway didn't it before they sadly dropped out but yeah definitely a great combination to look out for mm, super to watch you know beautiful yeah. round um, and then it all comes down to two days of uh, Nations Cup jumping to decide the team medals. And what a nail-biting finish we had for the top 10 teams, didn't we? Oh, my God, I've never known anything <laughs> like it. And it was just, yeah, because it, it had looked at the beginning of the day. You know, Sweden was so far ahead and then there was France very close behind. And then the next, I think it was the next eight teams, there was only a pole between them. So it oh. was anyone's the game. And then, you know, when it got later in the evening and it was you know, they did it under the floodlights. It was really yeah. late. So there was all this amazing atmosphere. And then the team, the, the live scoring broke. <laughs> I can't believe it. So nobody knew what was going no. on at all. No, and I, I've Crucial spoken to moment. people. Yeah. Because it had been, it had been brilliant because it had been every time a, a fence went in someone's round, they, they, yeah. would, they were on the screen and they would just on that, based on that pole. So you knew exactly what was happening. And then when it broke, you, you just had no idea. And at, at one point someone was saying, well, if Scott goes clear we've we've got the medal and then uh -huh. obviously Scott had a couple of fences down and, and Harry was jumping clear and then other people there were faults coming all over the place and it was yeah. just like what what's going on <laughs> have we qualified for Paris have we yeah. and then then we had this amazing medal it was just it was brilliant oh, absolutely brilliant <laughs> great video I think um Joe Stockdale posted of just suddenly the realization everyone's just coming from all directions and yeah. hugging and it's like oh my goodness we've got a bronze medal and it was so unexpected because we were yeah. all sort of talking going you know because we, we were slightly lower down the leaderboards we thought oh well we can't have a chance for a medal and then suddenly we were going up and then suddenly it was we've got a medal what it, it was yeah. just so unbelievable it was a it, great moment it really really was and we jumped you know Harry and, and Charles and Romeo 88 had jumped that superb clear on the team final night um, mm. which was brilliant and Joe Stockdale had, had 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 a beautiful round with just one down so that really helped and then uh, there were so many surprises weren't there Andre Tien the European champion came off and Steve Gerda had two down and oh, yeah, yeah it was just it was surprise after surprise yeah. and uh, <laughs> it was kind of all over the place it was um, yeah it was hard to keep track of but it made for such a thrilling final you, like you said you know if you tuned in to watch a bit of show jumping for the first time or you know even you're a regular watcher I mean it was just brilliant entertainment and a great spectacle so and all sort of came together at the right moment right at the very end you had to obviously Sweden were sort of in a league of their own by this point but uh, for everyone else we were there right till the final riders trying to work out who was going yeah. to get the scores yeah. and of course Sweden had secured it before their last rider who was Peter Fredriksson and H&M all in had even jumped and then of course he came in and got 12 volts which is just not a thing you see every day absolutely and but by then it didn't matter because they'd won the gold anyway it was just yeah mad it just goes brilliant. to show the pressure I think <laughs> with uh yeah if you're last to go for your team it, you know you're you've got these great riders out there and even they succumb to the pressure and the moment and yeah mm. on the world stage yeah, and I actually um, had caught up with the Swedish chef to keep Henrik and Kakrona uh, earlier in the week and had a, a chat with him about how how it felt because I, I suppose um, there must be sometimes more pressure being in the lead than there is. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, he described it perfectly. Competitions like these are like roller coasters. Huh? You're up in the sky and then you you're hit the floor like crazy and then you're trying to get up again. And, and we know this, uh, we've been talking about this, but still it's, it's, it's emotional and it's, and it's tough. And, and as, as a leader, you want, you want it so bad that it hurts. Wow. And uh, mm. I think it, it worked out for them. But there was great team spirit behind the scenes, I think, for all the top teams. And um, I think there were some really happy faces in the Irish as well, because they've got uh, Olympic qualification for the 2024 in Paris, which is great news for them, too. They did a great job. 
Yeah, and they actually only finished. I think it was less than half a penalty off the, off the podium, and that oh. and they had two new combinations. Kian O'Connor had only been riding Sevier two since May. Wow! So, <laughs> just to go from that to a world championship is just an amazing story. Yeah, and staggering. And then they were, I think, in a similar position to us in that they hadn't qualified at the first time of asking for the Olympics for a while. So yeah, mm -hmm. that that was great. Brilliant, Brilliant for them. Um, and then we had the 21 combinations came forward for Sunday's individual decider. And we had two British riders still in contention, Scott Brash and Ben Mayer. And it got very tense again, didn't it, on Sunday? Yeah, so as you say, there were 21 combinations through and then the top 12 of those went through to a second round on Sunday, which was the one that ultimately decided the medals. And this uh, this first track on Sunday was a little bit less testing because obviously they had two rounds to go and there were a few clears. And we went into that with two uh, combinations in the top 21. One of those was Ben Mayer who uh, on 40kHB who went in in seventh place and he jumped a superb clear um, and then of course because it was all in reverse results order and then uh, uh, Martin Fuchs and Leonie Jay who had won the individual silver at the Euros last year they had a fence down uh, and that was then making it look like oh Ben's got yeah. to be there in touching distance <laughs> it was so close and then they just were so unlucky in the in the, the very last round they just tipped the big echo vertical uh, and and that was it in terms of medal uh, contention. But to come on that horse who was swapped in at the last minute for his Olympic champion um, Explosion W and who he's only had since last October, to then come and be a pole off the podium in a world championship, I mean, that's mega, isn't it? It's brilliant. I mean, it just goes to show what a horseman he is mm. as well, doesn't it? It's um, obviously a superb horse, but um, to do that and to, to produce him so well in such a short period of time was uh, was fantastic. Uh, and we caught up with Ben in, in quite a busy mix zone uh, during the week. It's big. I mean, I obviously am not on my most experienced horse. Colts done an incredible job this week, um, really proved that he's a championship horse. Um, and then, yeah, the final three riders who ended up with the, with the medals were just in a different league, weren't they? They just never looked like faulting in that final round. The performances that they all put in were just brilliant, weren't they? It was, it's just, you know, mind-boggling. And, and, you know, Henrik von Eckermann, the pressure that must have been on him, and uh, so he's world number one, obviously, as well, and then to go in knowing that it had to be clear. <laughs> and, and, of course, he came fourth, didn't he, at the Tokyo Olympics? Exactly. And... <gasps> so you could imagine that's probably at the back of your mind. I'm sure he's a complete professional and uh, wasn't thinking like that. But he did, I, he was actually, I heard him say that uh, he likes to go last because he knows exactly what he has to do. It just, it all, it was clear or nothing, basically. And um, <sighs> for him, that's what he wants to know. So, and oh, I think we all wish we had a horse like King Edward, don't we? He's oh, he's just superb. Yeah, and everyone was sort of saying, you know, uh, at the championship, you walk past him in the, hay, uh, in the stable and he just looks like a very nice little cute sort of horse and yeah. nice sweet boy <laughs> and then he goes out and he just sets it on fire I yeah. mean <laughs> and never looks like he's going to touch anything I no. mean there's just nothing about him he's just like the perfect style the perfect everything he goes around and yeah. I cannot imagine what it feels like to jump on a oh, horse like him. just different league isn't it and I, I again I caught up with Henrik in in the busy mix zone and asked him what was so special about King Edward Everything. Yeah, they have a whole package. Yeah, his brain is he's clever. He's so careful, but still so brave. And uh, yeah, and also such a sweet horse. Yeah. Not every day you get a horse. Yeah, like no, that. he's not. You know, I'm, I'm used to the feisty mess of it. Yeah, but yeah. But he's like once in a lifetime. Once in a lifetime. <laughs> Well, you'll find all our coverage and insight from the World Show Jumping Championships in this week's Horse and Hound, which is in the shops from Thursday. Thank you, Elle. Hello, I'm Lucy Elder, Senior News Writer at Horse and Hound, and I'm back on the podcast this week to talk to Horse and Hound's dressage editor, Polly Bryan, fresh from Herning, about the Echo FEI World Championships. Hi, Polly. Hi, Lucy. How are you? 
I'm all right, thank you. I am back from Herning. It was a very late uh, return on, well, Sunday night or Monday morning, whichever way you want to talk about it. And uh, and then a very long press day on Monday. So um, I'm recovering from all of that now, but uh, yeah, happy to be back with some amazing memories from the last week. Wonderful. And talking about last week, we spoke on last week's podcast about the team competition and Lottie Fry's fantastic Grand Prix win at the Blue Hall FEI Dressage World Championships. But a week is a long time in medals <laughs> and we've got even more to talk about now. Uh, the freestyle and all the action in the Orofarm Healthcare FEI World Para Dressage Championships. So let's start with Lottie Fry and Glamadale's jaw-dropping Grand Prix freestyle, which earned her a second gold medal of the week. And the undisputed world champion title i i'm still i still get goosebumps i've just got goosebumps now talking about it introducing (laughs) it but folly can you put into words just how special the performance was that we witnessed let's put it this way i don't think i've ever watched a freestyle test back so many times since it was charlotte and belegro at london i've already watched lottie's test about seven times since she did it and I just can't get enough and I'm not the only one I know of a lot of people who have sort of got that video on repeat um it was something really really special and there are not really enough words to to describe it I um I felt more pressure sitting down to write my magazine report um the morning after that freestyle win than I think I've ever done writing a report from a championship because I felt so much pressure to really do her justice because it was such a very very special special performance that we that we witnessed and yeah it's one of my favorite freestyles of all time I think it was just absolutely wonderful to watch I agree with you I was sat at home reporting uh, with one of our horse and hound colleagues as well and we we kind of paused everything it was all quite busy that evening with the coverage we were doing but we kind of dropped everything to watch and it was just you know when you're watching something and you kind of feel this is this is this is something special we're really witnessing here in real time which i think is when sports at its mm-hmm. greatest isn't it when you're seeing that in real time yeah. but yes like you polly i've had it on repeat as well <laughs> so and can you tell us i mean why was it so special what takes it to that stratospheric you know plus 90% level well Obviously, Glamourdale is an insanely talented horse. He's really, really, really good at a lot of things. Um, his canter is mm. the standout. His extended canter got tens again. Uh, his two tempi changes get tens. He, you know, the, just the sheer quality of his of his canter as a pace is so high. You know, he's raking in the marks just for his collected canter. You know, round the corners. Um, and it's lovely to watch. Um, he's also got so much power in his trot work. His extended trots are pretty fabulous to watch. Um, we we mentioned last week that his his PF passage work can and will certainly get better. Uh, it's not his sort of strongest point at the moment, but you know I think he has so much so much power that it'll take a bit of time for that sort of strength to come. But basically, it was just brilliant. <laughs> Everything they did was brilliant. They had one uh, small mistake in the first line of one tempi changes. Um, there was a mistake behind but Lottie had uh, a sort of a spare line that she I think was probably planning to ride no matter what had happened in the in the previous lines of changes and it was um, a line of of two tempi changes straight into one time so she really pulled them off um, flawlessly and that would have pulled up that mark for the one tempies so yeah it was it was fabulous from a technical point of view and just from an artistic point of view it was the sort of freestyle people will remember for a long long time and it was it was the program was titled best of british um the music was put together by Joost Peters in the Netherlands and it was a compilation of absolutely fantastic uh, British tunes. We had Queen in there, we had the Beatles in there, we had Genesis in there, we had Robbie Williams in there. It was absolutely brilliant and, um, and Lottie actually said that a lot of those songs, she sort of phrased it saying, um, Glamourdale chose them himself because a lot of them, I I know, a lot of them are songs that he has performed to at Stallion shows. And they're the songs that she sort of noted that he really lifts to um, and really sort of, you know, she can feel almost like a response in him to that music. Um, So yeah, she chose a few songs that that she just knew you know, would obviously show him off brilliantly that she loved, that he loved, that the judges would love. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it was a real crowd pleaser. And I think 
the thing with the Grand Prix freestyle is you've had the Grand Prix and you've had the special, which is the technical test. The freestyle is about putting on a show. It's about putting on a performance. And, you know, that there's a reason that the artistic mark counts for so much. And yeah, that, that really, really worked for her. I think I could hear them. And of course, it was a Danish crowd, but I think I could hear them gasping at points through Lottie's test, even on the on the live stream coverage. And it looked like it absolutely, that stadium like lifted when she finished, standing ovation. What was that like? Oh my God. I will never, ever forget that last center line and watching that unfold. And like, I'm actually feeling quite emotional just thinking about it now because I was up in those stands and I, a bit like you, I sort of, you know, normally I'm 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 making notes. Normally I'm I'm, you know, dashing in between interviews and and trying to watch as much as I can. But for Lottie's test, I dropped everything and just absorbed it. And that last centre line, the crowd were clapping her miles out from the end. You know, and as we spoke about last week, Glamadel just lifts. He loves that. He absolutely just relishes that sort of love and support and excitement. And they they. Um, executed a, a full PF pirouette 360 degrees in the center of the arena and they were clapped all the way through it and he pulled off another stunning halt at the end just soaking up that applause and um, if uh, if if everyone goes to, out to buy Horse in Hand on the 18th of August which I think is the day that this podcast comes out they will see that the main picture on our freestyle report is a really stunning shot by our photographer Peter Nixon of Glamadale stood stock still square as anything at the end of his test Lottie's just got her fist punched in the air and it is such a picture of triumph and beauty and you know a really really special moment I think incredible and of course as I, as I mentioned it was a real a real privilege for me to be able to see that test live um, and to be able to absorb the atmosphere in that stadium which of course is something you don't get in the same way at home um, it was even more of a privilege to have been one of the first people to chat to Lottie right after she came out of the ring um, here's a little snippet of that chat I was literally loving every second like as soon as the music started I could hear the crowd like some were even singing along to it it was just the most <laughs> incredible feeling and I could really sit up relax he was enjoying himself and I was just like wow this is the most amazing feeling in the world yeah I bet um just tell us a bit about some of the lines that you designed for him in there and why you sort of pick why you created that floor plan to show show them off so well um well I guess I I picked the lines to show off his incredible extended canter um to be honest everything is such a highlight it was difficult to fit it all in it took us weeks to be able to fit everything in and get it inside the time because i wanted to do a 10 minute freestyle <laughs> and i was like this is not possible i think so, i would have happily watched that <laughs> yeah so it took a long time to get it down under the six minutes um and yeah i think it really captured all his amazing points and his pirouettes were really spot on today um, and his two tempies are always incredible and the music Oh, I'm literally speechless about the music. Like I have never heard such amazing freestyle music. I know I'm biased, but Glamadel <laughs> also thought so. Oh, incredible! And of course, Freestyle Night was headlined by Lottie and Glamadel. And like you said, Polly, it's going to be one that we talk about and remember for a very, very long time. But I'm going to pick out a handful of others that really stood out. And uh, silver medal, second individual silver medal of the week went to Catherine Laudrup de Four and that incredible Les Miserables performance with Vamos Amigos. And that was again such artistic artistry and athleticism and the whole home crowd getting behind them I thought that was really special yeah I absolutely love that freestyle of Catherine's as well she um she rode that one in Tokyo and at the Europeans last year with her other horse Bohemian and yeah I can't get enough of it I was really happy that she brought it back for um for the worlds and yeah it wasn't actually designed for for Vamos it was designed for Bohemian her other horses I've said but it's it suits Vamos really well um it's such an emotive freestyle isn't it it really mm. you know tugs at the heartstrings and yeah it's another one that I I actually didn't quite manage to see all of that test but it was pretty amazing I really liked as well uh, Patrick Kittle and touchdowns James Bond inspired mm, oh my gosh or rather yes. Daniel yeah Daniel Craig as Bond yeah. inspired not just James Bond really specific there their performance and the way they entered at walk to that kind of haunting piano riff um, was something really different mm. that we see at Grand Prix and kind of spine tingling plus the build up to the moment where and 
spoiler alert to anyone <laughs> who hasn't yet seen No Time to Die. Um, but the music where the bombs are about to land at the end, that was yeah yeah it was it was magical it was i i love talking to patrick after that after his test about it actually and i'm also a huge uh daniel craig as bond fan as well so we had a really a really lovely chat all about how you know how amazing the music is and um and yeah um especially the music from no time to die it was really it was really sort of fresh and, and new um and like you said he he had a few quite unusual sort of lines and patterns in his floor plan which really added to the to the drama i think it was you on the night actually that said how theatrical that performance was it was a real you know it was a real show wasn't it and it was it was a real show and I really enjoyed what Patrick said as well about that it is you know it's a it's about the show Mm. it's about entertaining people as well as the harmony between horse and rider and I think that really showed through And going to our Brits in the freestyle, we had Charlotte Dujardin with another rising star, Imhotep, and they finished 10th. And Gareth Hughes and classic Bria Linka, who were fifth. And I am so excited that Bria Linka is back and that Gareth's performance and his approach to dressage is being recognised on the world stage. Oh my gosh. I could not have been any happier for Gareth. That performance was incredible. And Gareth once said to me that... Um, individual medals are never at the forefront of his mind because he's never ever thought that he was good enough to win one and I think if any if any performance if any night proves completely otherwise it should be this one he was fifth in the world for the freestyle and you know he was he was close to being up in the medals there was there was a point where the the sort of British uh the British team were slightly thinking do we need to get Brailenka platted up for a medal ceremony and as it happened he was you know a little bit off that podium but he was so close he was right up there jostling at the very top and he was completely overcome with his um with his performance and his score it was a huge pb for him he got 84 percent um that was a pb by about three or four percent i think and you know he was absolutely thrilled with with the horse with the the performance um with the music he had a new a new uh program which was set to madonna music which suited brelinka so well and you know he just is so he's so in love with that horse and it's so lovely to hear him him talk about her um i wanted one of my favorite quotes of the entire week came from gareth shortly after his freestyle and i I really wanted to share that here so let's have a listen you know, what makes a Grand Prix horse? Uh, a horse that lets you train it to Grand Prix. What makes a good Grand Prix horse? A horse with heart. You know, she's, she's got abundance of it. It's so lovely, isn't it? And, it is. you know, it's so true because a horse can be as talented, you know, as ever. And yet, if it doesn't have the attitude and the willingness to do it for its rider, you're never going to achieve, you know, that that real top level um, performance and that top level harmony. And yeah, Gareth and Brelinka are such a pleasure to watch. They're such a fantastic combination and I'm so happy for them. They did so well here. And Polly, who else caught your eye in the freestyle that you'd like to chat about? Oh my gosh, I could be here all day, Lucy, if we if we talk about everyone <laughs> I want to chat about. But um, yeah. just to pick out a couple of highlights, I mean, I have to mention bronze medalist Dinya Van Leer. She uh, rode an amazing test on Hermes again. Um, and also Benjamin Verndel, who finished fourth, just out of the medals. Um, he rode an absolute cracker on Famoso. He has had a brilliant week. And what really strikes me about this, this horse and the way that Benjamin rides him is he is so classical in his way of going and the frame and the way in which they execute the movements the collected work in particular and it is just so pleasing to watch Benjamin as many people will know is the uh the brother of Olympic champion Jessica von Bredovendel who was uh has been supporting her brother on, on you know on social media all week and I know he was telling me how much he's sort of been speaking to her during the week and relying on her advice and her support as well um she actually what his test on freestyle night from the hospital where she was about to give birth to her baby the reason she's not here competing in herning is um because she was pregnant with her her second baby and um yeah and (laughs) i think the baby was born uh in the very early hours of the thursday morning so yeah just after the freestyle um so yeah that's pretty special (laughs) that's magical isn't it oh how lovely (laughs) absolutely lovely and congratulations to to jessica on on her lovely new daughter as well 
Oh, wonderful news. So moving on now to the action in the Para Dressage World Championships. There were some brilliant performances and plenty of talking points to come out of these. I spent a lot of the week following and covering these. Um, and I think the place to start is with the Brits. Mm. We brought home a haul of individual and freestyle medals. Seven medals in total, I think, Polly? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, we had three medals from the four riders in the individual um, and a medal a medal apiece in the freestyle. So, yeah, very successful in those in those competitions. Oh, huge congratulations to all our British riders out there. That's fantastic. Give us a lowdown on those tests, Polly. Well, I think it's fair to say that um, it was a pretty up and down week for the British riders. They all kicked off their week in the individual competition. And yeah, as I said, three of the four brought home medals from that. Uh, Sophie Wells, our lovely grade five rider, she won silver with Don Cara M. She was actually the reigning world champion, um, having won gold in 2018 with uh, C Fatal Attraction. Um, Don Cara M has had to really step up to the mantle now and, uh, you know, as, as Sophie's new top horse, and he is, you know, there's still so much more to come from him. She was, yeah, really, really happy with his test. They had just one mistake. Um, they, yeah, they won silver behind uh, Michelle George from uh, Belgium, who is the Paralympic champion at the moment. So she's on super top form with best of eight. Then we also had Natasha Baker, who won silver as well in the grade three with uh, Keystone Dawn Chorus, aka Lottie. And it got quite confusing talking about another Lottie while we were in Herning. <laughs> um, clearly a good name for uh, for dressage at the moment. Um, so Natasha has had, well, Natasha has had not the not the best run up to these championships at all. She had a quite a late start to her season on purpose, actually, because she very excitingly got married in March um, to her lovely husband, Mark Giaconelli. So congratulations to Natasha and Mark. They got married in March. They went off on a lovely honeymoon and... And Tash had sort of planned to, you know, get really get her season into into the swing of things in sort of May, June, July ahead of coming out to Herning. Um, and unfortunately, after one super competition at Wellington in June, she actually was very, very ill with a chest infection, which uh, really put her out of action for several weeks. And um, she's actually only ridden, before arriving in Herning, she'd only ridden four dressage tests, but, you know, national and international, since the Paralympics last August. And she said she's never been more unprepared or unfit coming into a championship. And uh, Lottie was also very much on her toes. She was very fresh. She was a bit sassy this week. And Tash did a brilliant job, but she said she really struggled to kind of hold her together um, and really present the, the very polished test that she is used to riding in the arena so she wasn't quite at her best um you know it's a combination but you know there's very very good reason good reason why and I think it's it's a it's a reminder that we can <laughs> make the best laid plans in the world and there are sometimes just things that uh, that that come out of the blue that are not under our control um and it's not about necessarily the results it's not necessarily about the things that go wrong it's about how you know how we deal with that how riders um can move on from that and make the best of a situation and learn from a situation like that and natasha was very pragmatic about it she i mean she had a very successful week she won silver in the individual as we said she went on to win bronze in the freestyle um, it's actually her first ever bronze medal, which um, has got to be a first time for everything. She's got the, the complete collection now. Let's hear what she had to say. Obviously, you know, not the, the result that I really wanted coming here, but the result that I wanted coming here, I set earlier in the year and everything's happened since. So, um, so yeah, I, I just couldn't be more pleased with her and just the way that she's been. And yeah, she's just awesome. And I think it goes to show just how good Natasha is and her partnership with Lottie is that when they haven't had the ideal preparation, you know, things, she hasn't been well, that they still come home with two 
brilliant medals doesn't it oh my gosh you know it is really testament to just the uh you know the talent and the strength that that the british side have got in terms of power horses and power riders um i think that our power riders are among the very best in the world you know no matter what medals they bring back and i think lee pearson was a great example of that actually he had um he had a a couple of tricky rides during the week with breezer who is his very very sensitive homebred gelding um he can be quite noise sensitive and the para arena was uh, uh, sort of alongside the big stadium where there was show jumping happening for that sort of latter half of the week and there was often quite a lot of clapping and the music that that c- comes on after someone rides a clear round um Breezer had also, you know, he had been a little bit unsettled by going into a prize giving after the first uh, sort of round of competition. And there were just some challenges that Lee had to had to contend with. He also came home with a bronze and silver medals. He got uh, bronze in the individual, silver in the freestyle. Um, and yeah, his horsemanship and his just incredible riding really showed. Um, yeah, I was very proud to, to, to be watching him as a British rider that week. And I really noticed because I was out in Tokyo last year for to cover the Paralympics for Horse and Hound. And one thing that really struck me watching these championships was just how much a lot of these horses kind of seem to have developed mentally and physically as well. I know, as you said, it's a very different atmosphere because, well, you were out there for the Olympics, so you you felt what it was kind of like in that that stadium in Tokyo. Um, And but it was. I really enjoyed seeing how much these horses look like they are, um, you know, they've grown in confidence, in ability, in mentally as well. Not just the British horses, but particularly some of those um, Donkara M, Lee's Ride Breezer and things. And I think that is really exciting as we really gear up towards Paris. Yeah, I agree. I think the the British horses and and as you say others, but the British horses in particular have really you know grown and developed um, since Tokyo. Um, it's interesting talking about the very different atmospheres because. Uh, I mean, you you were out in Tokyo for the Paris, but like you said, it was quite similar for the dressage, uh, which I was there for. Tokyo was in a massive, massive stadium with huge mm. stands that, of course, were intended to be filled with crowds and, and weren't. Um, and there was almost quite a, a slightly eerie cathedral-like um, vibe to it, I think. And while some horses in Tokyo... Uh, didn't respond terribly well to that. They sort of shrunk into themselves in that massive arena where everything was very far away. Um, the British horses really seemed to thrive in that atmosphere. And in Herning, it was a very different atmosphere. It was in an arena where the uh, the seating and the audience were much, much closer to the ring. There was a lot more going on, very close to the whiteboards. Uh, there were VIP areas, there were people walking up and down. And of course, there were more external sort of noises from a road quite nearby, from the show jumping stadium. And it was just a very different atmosphere and quite challenging for horses who, like our British horses, have not really been exposed very much to that sort of atmosphere. And, you know, Lee and Natasha and our other riders have spoken before about the need to have more uh, exposure for our para riders in the UK. Um, because there are not that many para-international shows in the UK as it is. They don't tend to attract massive crowds. And, you know, it really shows when you get to a championship that some horses are much more accustomed to that kind of atmosphere than others. And and a lot of the horses that can compete more often and more easily in Europe uh, definitely seem to cope a little bit better. And of course, our fourth member of the British team in Herning was also out in Tokyo, and that was George Wilson and Sakura. How did they get on, Polly? Oh, do you know, Georgia and Sakura are just so incredibly delightful to watch. Georgia is the sweetest person. She is so just, she just loves what she does. She just loves riding that mare in the arena and her smile when she comes out of the arena and when she talks about her test afterwards, it's really infectious. They uh, narrowly missed out on the medals on day one, but they won a freestyle bronze medal, which was really, really special and so well-deserved. They definitely put the joy in dressage, don't they? Oh my gosh, 100%. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) And we do need to talk about the team result as well. Uh, The British side finished fourth, which secured the most important thing, Paris 2024 qualification. And the riders really spoke of how important Herning was as a stepping stone to the next Paralympics. It was also the first time ever that the British team has finished off the podium at a senior championships. Polly, can you give us a little bit of insight about, um, about the team competition? 
Yeah, so it was, as you said, it was a, a first time that we haven't won a team medal. Um, there's a first time for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sort of had to happen. It is testament to the strength of uh, global para dressage that there are now so many teams that are really, you know, fighting it out for those podium spots for a long time. Britain just sort of cruising along, you know, almost unchallenged in their sort of quest for gold, if you like. And it definitely makes for a much more interesting competition now. Mm-hmm. You know, we really can't call it. And I think it could have gone one of two ways here. I really, you know, they could have won the gold, but equally, and I talked about this a little bit in my magazine report too, there's sort of two two elements to it, I think. One being, I think there was a certain degree of slight bad luck that a lot of the British mm-hmm. riders had in the team test in particular. I spoke before of how Breezer got a little bit unsettled from a prize giving and from the noise from the nearby stadium. It really affected his team test in particular. They scored about 73%, still very, very good, but not quite the sort of 77, 78 that I think we were really hoping that Lee could lay down for the team. Uh, Natasha, as we said, was not quite at her absolute best for a number of you know incredibly understandable reasons. And Sophie Wells pulled out an absolute cracker of a test. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that again in a minute. Um, but there were just a couple of things where you think, oh, if only, you know, the, the Swedish rider had not gone clear at the exact time the British rider was in the ring and, and caused all that noise. Or, you know, if only uh, Natasha had not had such a struggle with illness this year, she would have been, you know, probably had a much higher score. But it's very easy to say, what if, what if? And, and you know, this applies to everyone across the board. Ultimately, there were three teams in the week who on the day were better than the Brits. And that's really what it comes down to. What I found watching it, it just came across as a real high quality, real high quality fight for those medals, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, it was such a high quality competition. The Netherlands who won gold, they were just on flying form all week. And what's exciting about them is that they had their uh, sort of uh, team stalwarts, if you like, in, in Sanovitz and Frank Hasmer, who have really carried that team through the success of the last few years. They also had um, a very new rider in Demi Harkins, who uh, was just absolutely brilliant, posting some really big scores for the team. Um, and yeah, really excited about her. Denmark came a very, very close second. They were in the silver medal position. And, you know, I know that they wanted to win gold on home soil, but really they were just thrilled to win a medal on home soil. Um, and they were they were fourth in Tokyo, I believe, by a very small margin. And yeah, to have upgraded to a silver here was fantastic. There again, they're a team, you know, mostly of quite young, quite fresh, new riders to the scene, new horses, and were so exciting. Um, and then the USA just sort of slid into the bronze medal position ahead of Britain and really deserved it. They performed superbly. All four riders were on good form. And, you know, it just shows the, the quality of para dressage at the moment. And Polly, just jumping back quickly, you mentioned that it was Sophie Wells who was riding in the team anchor spot. Yes, it was. It was Sophie Wells. Now, the interesting thing about para dressage um, compared to regular dressage, where we have, we spoke a bit last week about the kind of importance of the person who rides last for the team. In para dressage, that's not something that's determined um, because it depends on the order in which the grades uh you know, ride and take place. And of course, the person in the later grade is going to end up being that that anchor rider for the team. Um, and it just so happened that it was Sophie Wells, and I can't think of a better rider for that position, to be honest. Sophie is just absolutely fantastic. And I'm always really blown away by just what a talented rider she is, what a lovely person she is. And her mental strength as well, um, which, yeah, was so impressive in Herning. She went last. She had to get a huge score to get bronze. She knew, they knew that gold and silver were, you know, gone. They were out the window. But bronze was still, you know, the window was still just a little bit open. Um, She had to get more than 78%, which, yeah, is a big, big score. And she had a couple of a couple of little challenges in the sort of environment for that test as well. A couple of tractors went past the, the ring at a particularly unfortunate moment. I think I think she was in the ring when Sweden's Henrik von Eckermann won gold in the jumping arena. So that caused uh, some hullabaloo as well, which Donny definitely did here. But he really stayed with Sophie. She rode absolutely superbly. Um, she didn't quite score a high enough mark to get that bronze, but she got the Paris qualification in the bag for the team. Um, 
and she was just so thrilled with how this horse was developed physically but also in his mind and she said some really interesting things when we talked to her afterwards um, including about riding as that final person and having to having to really ride for a particular score which is really difficult I think um, and how how you can do that varies depending on the horse that you ride um, let's hear what she had to say to come away with a medal well a medal the other day obviously the disappointment from the team it was it was hard but you know I was really proud of him and especially going last on the team and actually having all that pressure George could cope with that so like in try on like I had pressure to really raise the score and I could put that pressure on him and he'd really go for it Don's different I can't do that but I can get it out of him in a different way and that's like for me as a rider I think that's good well, we're really proud of all our riders, all our para riders, all our British riders out there. Polly, thank you so much for giving us such great insight from Herning. And I cannot wait to read your magazine reports, which are out on the 18th of August. And I hope that you recover well. <laughs> thank you so much, Lucy. Throughout the year, Horse and Hound sends reporters out to all the biggest events in the equestrian calendar to cover the action for our weekly magazine and our website at horseandhound.co.uk. The coverage we bring you on these two platforms is different. The weekly magazine provides your comprehensive curated roundup. We reflect back on the big wins and analyse all the results with insight from our team and experts in the industry. Meanwhile, on our website, we bring you the news as it happens. We speak to the riders as they leave the arena and report their thoughts in lightning quick time, covering all the biggest stories as they unfold and often producing 10 or more stories every day online from a big show. The first five articles you read on our website are free each month and beyond that you need to buy a subscription. The cost of this reflects the fact that we need a bigger team at events when we are creating extra articles on our website and not only producing a magazine report. To buy a Horse and Hound website subscription, visit horseandhound.co.uk and click subscribe. Or for great value, in the same place you can buy a combined magazine and website subscription. We know that magazine subscribers are our most loyal audience and we really value your ongoing and vital contribution to our business. Therefore, if you are already a magazine subscriber, the cost to upgrade your subscription to include full website access is minimal. Call 0330-333-1113 to find out more. Hello, I'm Alex Robinson, showing editor here at Horse and Hound, and this week we're going to be previewing the 2022 British Show Pony Society, the BSPS Summer Championships, which will take place at Arena UK from the 23rd to the 27th of August, and we're really excited about it for a number of reasons. There's so many highlights, the inter-teams working hunter classes, the Royal Bronze to Music classes, the Simply the Best series, as well as a host of Hoys qualifiers. And yeah, there's so many opportunities for everyone to, to have a go. And this week we're joined by show producing duo Sarah Parrott and Craig Eleanor, who run their show team in North Yorkshire. They're two of the best in the pony business and they have many Horse of the Year show and Royal International wins under their belts. And we're very lucky that they've taken some time out of their BSPS Champs prep to chat to us today. Hi guys, how are you doing? Hi, very well, thank you. Hi, yeah. So, guys, I know the BSPS Champs does hold a special place in your heart as you actually met here. Um, could you just run down, you know, how this actually happened and when this was? <laughs> well, it, so it's not, it was nine years ago. Um, and actually, mm -hmm. we'd, we'd never met before, had we? Yeah. And um, we were in the bar on, on the... They, they have a very good after-show party at the BSPS. Um, mm -hmm. And we were at that there and we met and got talking and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> Super. And do you guys, I mean, both of you know when you first competed at the BSPS Champs, because it's been going on for a number of years now, but do you remember the first time you, you went there? I presume it would have been at a different location as well. Yeah, I first went when I was at Peterborough um, mm. with my best friend Terry, she produced, so I went to help her. Um, I only went for a couple of years at Peterborough and then, then at Arena UK, and I think I've been every year since we've never missed one. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I would be about the same. I mainly mainly did in in hand horses before we met, so the ridden side of it wasn't a big thing for me. But um, I did used to go to the shows, and um, you know when I 
training working for Jerome Harford. I went to BSPS a lot. Um, so that's kind of, you know, to... When I met Craig, he was at the BSPS with one pony for the mm. week. Yeah. I think life changed for him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and and what was it like when it was at Peterborough? I do remember hearing that those, you know, the the venue was really kind of lend itself to, you know, those really spectacular evening performances. Yeah, what what was it like back then? Oh, they were brilliant. Yeah, the the, the evening performances were fantastic, and um, I think they're just a party atmosphere. It was it was great. You know, it was really good. I'm going to be controversial and I have to say what I love about Arena UK is it's so workable. As yeah. great as Peterborough and the indoors are, we've got surfaces to work our ponies on. Um, you can be parked anywhere at Arena UK and you can um, you can get in and you're, you're close to the stables, you're close to your rings, um, which makes it easy for everybody. It's a good place to work a lot of ponies. Yeah, and mm. the, the, the indoor at, at Grantham, it's a, it's a great indoor. And ultimately, we just want to trot down the centre line at whatever venue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the ultimate aim. <laughs> the flowery sash. <laughs> and do you remember your first big win there? I don't know if, you know, you had one before you got together or, you know, your first big win as a, as a team, as a duo. I think our first one together, real big titles with Scarlett, wasn't it? Craig's daughter yeah, on the lead. Right. Um, she won the hunt, mini Hunter Pony Supreme. It was really special, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was really good, yeah. And then, um, because it was our pony, we've got to keep the flowery sash that's hanging up yeah. in the country. <laughs> Normally we have to give them up. <laughs> what pony was that with? That was Thistledown Lawman's. Um, right. He was just a novice, actually. He was just a novice. He did two classes and he, he went, yeah, got, went into, won the mini hunter pony, won the challenge, won the mini hunter pony supreme yeah. into the Suprema show. So he had a really good run. Um, yeah, good. yeah, it's a good pony. Fabulous. And how has the show kind of changed over the years in your perspective? Because I know these days, I think this year they've added an, an extra day, haven't they? So there's obviously a lot more classes been added to the schedule. But yeah, how do you think it's changed in the years? And, you know, has it become more prestigious over the years or? Yeah, I think it has. Yes. Yeah. It's it's certainly got a lot busier as we've um, progressed together with producing, you know, we're, we're getting a lot more bonus in. So it's, uh, it's a really busy week for us, but it's... Um, I, th I think it probably has changed how we've done it as well because I think before we used to probably go, like I said, with less and a lot more the social mm. side, whereas now we work so we all the time. So <laughs> you see it from two different angles. But I mean, ultimately, it's it's what you want. You know, you want you want to do well at RI, then the champs, and then go to Hoys. It's the run you want yeah. for your ponies. And um, I think it's a great show. For, I mean, we've got some novices going that we'll just we'll do two days and go home because it's quite a long week for them. Mm. But it's great for your sort of second year ponies to be there for the week and your kids as well to keep going in mm. and learning and um, Craig's daughter, she doesn't ride and it's her favourite week of the year because the kids entertainment there is mm. just phenomenal. Isn't yeah, it? You can, oh, the children love it. It's fantastic. From, from, yeah, Brilliant, yeah. from midday every day, she goes and plays on the those activities and yeah, so it's it's a great show. And just looking ahead to this year's show, how do you guys kind of manage it? How many are you taking? And do you tend to stay for the whole week or will, you know, travel there every day? How do you kind of run it? We'll stay for the whole week. We'll go Monday and we'll come home Sunday after the party. Wow, <laughs> um, shift. And we will, some, some novices will swap in and out. So we'll have a transport to change some over. Yeah. Some will stay for the week. Nothing competes every day. Some will do four classes throughout the week. The others, um, we just put them in, sort of give them a break. So most of them will have a day off. They'll go for a hack or mm. some grass in between. And yeah, so we've got we've got eleven going. We have nine at one time as such. Mm -hmm. So yeah, everybody wants to do it. Really, everybody enjoys it, and yeah. they like to go and win a flowery sash. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the dream, isn't it? <laughs> and have, have you guys got a favourite class you like to contend, or one that you're gonna, you know, would really like to win? Um, that's on the bucket list. Anything that involves a flowery sash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think when you go to the champs, I think the blue ribbons are always nice because they're a slightly different format. Because we, we do our normal show everywhere, it's great to do that where they do a, you know, their own show and they get scored. And I think because they're a little bit different, mm. um, the kids really enjoy them. Like they've been up this week practicing with the music to, and just their blue ribbon show. So it's just and and we let them. We help them with their shows, but we give them a bit of a free reign, let them pick what they want to do, and we put a little thing together for them, which is mainly influenced by what they do. And that, that's always good. So, yeah, the Blue Ribbon probably is one for me, I think. 
brilliant. And what do you think makes the show, you know, really special? I mean, you've said that it's great for those those second season ponies and combinations who, you know, want to be getting a bit of form before Horse of the Year show. But is there anything else that, you know, makes it a little bit special or a win there? Um, I think the evening performances, I think the atmosphere in the evening performances is brilliant. You know, it's that feeling you get when you go into an evening mm. performance. There's loads of people there and there's a lot of atmosphere. It's brilliant, you know, and that's what we all do it for, really, to be honest. I think to try and get into an, an evening performance where there's that atmosphere and it's kids, the children are on edge and, yeah, it's great. Exciting. And just, just before we, we wrap up, do you have any, you know, combinations um, who are heading there for the first time or a couple that we should be on the lookout for or is, I guess, everyone exciting to watch? <laughs> yeah, I think they're all, they're all exciting in their different ways. Um, I think we've got some nice novices going, which is always good. And mm. uh, so we've got the, the intermediate that, that won at International, um, which was very unexpected. She's yeah. going to do a couple of classes and so horses like that, which you don't know how they um, react there, is quite nice because some horses really thrive off it there. The hunter pony actually does a 13-hander. He just he loves it there. He loves to show off. So I think it really suits them them ponies. But, yeah, no, we're all, we've, got a, we've got a complete range of real opens to one pony that's only ever been to one show before. So we've got a yeah complete range, which is nice. And um, so obviously the champs will finish at the end of August and then there's a month before Hoys. Have you guys got anything planned for September or is it full steam ahead getting prepared for, for the Horse of the Year show? Yeah, we've got plenty of other shows on and we're at the moment looking at looking to, looking at horses. So we're driving around a bit, looking for things for yep. next season. Hoys, we, we usually do like a five or six week prep for Hoys. Mm-hmm. So, so once the champs is up, we'll let them down a bit, the ponies drop off them a bit and then we'll slowly build them up again ready yeah. for hotties you know they probably won't the ones that are going to us won't show after bsps unless we have a particular something we might hire somewhere and go and ride but they won't they won't show unless there's particularly something that that shows up at the champs because the champs is a great um a great warm-up because you get to see if they get in that evening or indoors it's it's like a mini hoys isn't it so they mm. you get a bit of a feeling of your first time as what they might be like but generally they'll stay at home won't they Super. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And yes, we can't wait to hear about how you get on at the BSPS Championships. Good luck, guys, and thank you. Lovely. Well, thank you for asking us. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Alex is still with us following that interview about the BSPS Championships, which are coming up. And I thought it would be a good idea for Alex and I just to chat about those championships as well as the uh, interview you've just heard and get a bit of an overview of what happens, why they're important and who we should be looking out for. So Alex, these championships happen next week, Tuesday to Saturday at Arena UK. That's right, isn't it? Yep, that's correct. So for those who are not so familiar with these championships, what is their sort of place in the showing calendar? Why are they important? Well, the championships, yeah, it really does hold a really important place in the in the diary for showing people. So it happens a few weeks after the Royal International Horse Show at Hickstead, which is obviously our mid-summer championship show. And we do have Horse of the Year show coming along in a couple of months. So it fits in really nicely for competitors because they can kind of look at what they you know might want to improve on for the Royal International and take that through to the BSPS Championship so when they go to Horse of the Year show in October they are more prepared the indoor arena at Arena UK is kind of like a, a mini Horse of the Year show with the evening performances being held under the spotlights there's a lot of noise a lot of atmosphere so a lot of um professionals and amateurs alike will use the championships as a bit of a a bit of a place to gauge how prepared they are for hoys later on in the year okay so good to understand that and we have five days of competition tuesday to saturday and there are so many classes i had a quick look at the schedule and uh, i didn't really know where to start so i'm hoping you're (laughs) going to be able to explain it to us alex let's take this day by day so what is the most important thing that happens on the first day tuesday what's the what are the big classes that day Yep. So most people will have arrived on the on the Monday night, got settled in their stables, and yeah, everything kicks off really early on Tuesday morning. The BSPS are known for having a really a really slick timetable. Everything runs to plan. So Tuesday, um, this is actually an added day that the show have um, recently introduced, um, and they hold horse classes for um, well, horse the year show qualifiers for horses because the BSPS is predominantly a, a children's riding pony um, association, but um, the show, I mean. 
it's a great location for for any any rider so they've got a schedule packed full of horse classes for hunters hacks riding horses and and others um and then also this year on tuesday there is um the gribbin family young pony classes for four five and six year olds and this is a new addition to the schedule um so yeah that'll be a really great showcase of some of those young young ponies of the future and that championship will be in the tuesday evening performance okay and then second day wednesday what happens that day yeah, this is another another day which showcases our novice um, ponies. So yeah, handily placed the day after the young pony classes. So I think if um, you know riders have a young horse, they can do those two days and then and then head home. But yeah, there's um, a packed schedule of novice classes, um, which culminates in the novice supreme in the in the evening performance. There's also the pretty poly supreme for home producers, which is again held in the in the nighttime. And there's also the royal bronze to music classes, which is kind of what it says on the tin. Riders get to ride to a music piece of their choice, um, which is a bit of a, a bit of a crowd favourite. Gosh, that's something that we don't really see very much mm. in showing. Is that quite unique to this championship? Yeah, again, it, it's quite a new um, addition, but yeah, it's um, pretty unique. Um, that doesn't really happen anywhere else, apart from at the National Pony Society Championships. They do have a ride to music final, but this one is actually split up into specific classes. Um, and then, then there's a championship in the in the night performance. They do love a championship here at the BSPS, so that'll be yeah, it'll be exciting. Yeah. Okay. And then Thursday, what happens on Thursday? Yeah, there's. Um, Probably today, I mean, there's lots on, but probably a few highlights I would suggest um, to look out for would be the challenge classes, which are more for your open and your established ponies. And again, these championships go into the night performance, um, which I think for most riders, as the usually young jockeys, they're, they're really looking to get into these evening performances. So there's ample opportunity for them to ride in the spotlight and have a really nice evening. And there's also the Simply the Best classes, which are a series of, um, well, a section which allows riders to kind of go in and ride their own show. A lot of showing classes do request a set show, um, but this one, yeah, they get to go off on their own, show off the ponies' best places and really add a bit of showmanship to their, to their performance. Okay, great. And then moving on to Friday, we're getting I feel like we're get, we're getting near the near the end, near the climax. Near the end. Um there's the Blue Ribbon series held on Friday, which is a really prestigious um series of classes. Um hailed as it's a blue ribbon. It's again for open ponies and your more established rides with a bit of form on them. And a win in a blue ribbon class really does, you know, it's a real um accolade to have on your on your C V. And then this year in the night performance there's also going to be the presentation of the new Robert Oliver's Showman Award, which is a new initiative um held by the society in kind of tribute of the late Robert Oliver um, who passed away last year and the finalists have been selected and they'll go head to head to compete for this new award which is designed to promote rider showmanship and flair and creativity in the show ring and um, so that'll be a really lovely thing to watch and um, yeah, an experience. Okay great and finally Saturday the uh, the last day. So the last day there'll be horse the air show qualifiers for our ponies. So yeah, um, there's not that many left in the in the calendar. So I'm sure people will be ready to contend those um, qualifiers. And then the evening, everything comes to a bit of a head, and we have our supreme championships um, for all the sections, which culminates in an overall supreme. And yeah, so that will be a real showcase of all our champions and yeah the supreme of show I'm sure will be a beautiful animal um, and we'll just have to wait and see who wins that. <laughs> mm, okay so we've had a got a bit of a feel for what happens each day and for some of those particularly sort of special and unusual classes which sound great. Which are likely to be the sort of most competitive hardest fought classes Alex? Yeah, I think um, the the novice classes at the BSPS are always really hotly contested, both at the Winter Championships in March and again the, in in August in the Summer Championships. Because a lot of people, they might have bought a pony at the start of the year and he, he or she wasn't quite ready to contend the qualifiers. And so they'll bring them to the championships as a bit of a, a nice experience to have a stay away show and, um, you know, but still while retaining their their novice status the working hunter classes are always absolutely thrilling here and um, there's some absolutely gorgeous tracks to jump real real testing 
courses with loads of questions but yeah the uh, the creme de la creme of worker competitors will be will be here and yeah i just think the supremes are real a real showcase of the best in the country most um riders do seek out to attend the bsps championships just because it does fit really nicely in the calendar as i said before um yeah so those supreme championships will really be a bit of a feast for the eyes i'm sure Mm, okay well it sounds like there's so much to look forward to and we spoke a bit earlier about the importance of the show in the calendar but um are the sort of is this a show that points to stars of the futures as well are the former winners who've gone on to achieve a lot of success alex yeah so many and it was it's quite hard to choose really but a few names which do spring to mind i mean last year's supreme was um the lovely intermediate Sheldon's plan b who was ridden on the day by reese shakespeare and he was an intermediate in his first season and he was yeah as i said overall supreme and he's gone on this year he's been sold to a new home um uh, a rider called Amy Miller and he's gone on to become a really successful hack so he's gone on to flourish in horse ranks after a very successful start in the ponies uh, in 2018 uh, the mini heritage Mount Morland Supreme was little Welsh section A called Glebedale Mumbo Jumbo um, who won the first ridden and the mini Supreme with Izzy Sharifi and actually later in the year that this combination went on to win the open ridden Welsh section A final at Hoys and they took the championship so a real you know a massive step up for that for that pair who were competing in mini ranks just a couple of months earlier um and in 2013 um harriet dennison a rider who's had much success at the bsps championships um she rode a little 133 hunter pony called fair daffod who was reserve young pony champion and he ended up winning the horse of the year show show hunter pony crown later in the year so he was a, a young pony who really kind of exceeded his expectations and i have no doubt that that experience of that atmosphere at arena uk went on to help um help him later in the year when he was at the nec under the under the bright lights oh great well it sounds like a really exciting show for a lot of uh, horses ponies and uh, and and their riders and um it's been good to get a feel for what happens thank you so much alex and of course i'll be back with alex in a couple of weeks time to review those championships so uh, yeah do uh, do clock in on the first of september podcast if uh, if we've whetted your appetite to find out what happens <laughs> Well, thank you to all my horse and hound colleagues for giving us so much insight on this week's podcast. We've had a very busy but incredible couple of weeks covering the Echo FEI World Championships in Herning. We'll be back next week to preview the upcoming Burley Horse Trials, including an interview with five-time Burley winner Andrew Nicholson. If you're enjoying the Horse and Hound podcast, do rate, review and share it in your podcast app to help us spread the word. Talk to you next week. The Horse and Ham podcast is a Media Cage production.